Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well, today might be quite a quick one because I'm actually on a a property inspection trip in Spain at the moment and uh, just got a little bit of downtime before uh, I need to go out and and do a few more bits and pieces. So um, I'm just going to ride on with the show. But today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, myth busting or if you like truth and myth. Uh, and we'll see how this goes. Uh, if you quite like the feature, um, obviously you can maybe let me know some other um, well-known truisms, as they're called, which um, I can you know, try and lay to bear and see if they are actually true or indeed they are myths. So let's get on with the show right now and explore a couple of them today. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Yes, yeah, so um, I wanted to chat to you today about a couple of different uh, facts, I suppose, which are held in, you know, they, they seem to be well known, but are they actually truth or in fact, are they myths? And this was uh, stimulated really by a listener who, um, uh, as a, by the way, she walks the dog and listens to me uh, as she wrote in to tell me uh, once. Um, this is a really nice lady. And uh, that's the, I, I accompany her on the dog walk. So uh, it just made me think about how people consume this type of uh, knowledge and learning and, 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 you know, how convenient it is. And you can do it at any place, really, that you want to and you can do it whatever you want to be doing. So um, what, what, uh, how do you consume or listen to podcasts and in particular, obviously, the Property Voice podcast. I'm really, really interested to hear. I've had a, a couple of people tell me as well they've uh, they've listened to it late night, late at night in bed. So I don't know if that means it helps them sleep, but um, uh, yeah, it's just when you can find time, I suppose, to do things. So uh, yeah, be really curious to hear how you listen. But that's a little bit of a digression. The lady who um, contacted me was really just saying that um, there seems to be a little bit of uh, confusion around how uh, profits on property are taxed. Uh, and I'm talking not not rental income and how that's taxed. I'm actually talking about uh, profit on the sale of a property. So uh, again, if you like, on the sale. And there seems to be a little bit of confusion around, actually. And in fact, uh, this lady's accountant gave what what turned out to be false uh, information. And I've heard a few conflicting reports as well. So let's just get into that one now. So if you make uh, profit on a property, what kind of tax do you have to pay, if at all? Um, and um, a, a lot of people believe that it's capital gains tax. Uh, and I'm going to tell you now that it isn't always the case. <laughs> So um, first and foremost, if if it's your residential home and it's only ever been your residential home and you sell it and make a profit, then you get to keep it all. That's the good news. So there's no tax whatsoever on a gain if it's always been your home. Uh, Your primary residence uh, is not subject to any capital gains tax. Certainly not yet. We'll see if that changes sometime in the future, but at the time of recording, it's not. So that's the good news. So if it's your home and it's always been your home and you make a profit, no tax to pay. So that's the first one. The second one is that if you um, if you buy and sell a property and you make a profit and you never rent that property out, then strictly speaking, that's called a trading activity. So you are property trading, uh, you're flipping property, you're buying and selling, and that's ex- that's the purpose of your activity. It's a trading purpose. Now, in that situation, 
the tax that you would pay on any profit is not capital gains tax. It's actually income tax. That's assuming that um, you're buying and selling in your own personal name. This can get complicated, so I'm going to try and keep it simple. Uh, if you're buying your own personal name and it's a trading activity, so you buy it and you sell it, you never rent it out, you make a profit, then you would actually, uh, the gain would be added to your income and then you'd be, it would be subject to income tax. And probably not a lot of people know that. And uh, there's possibly some people making some, some mistakes there. And of course, there's some implications because if you make a, a, a large lump of profit on, on that property, um, it could actually put you into a higher tax bracket as well. So uh, you could actually end up being bumped up a tax bracket and pay quite a lot of tax on that gain. So it's probably something to, uh, to look out for. So income tax, if it's a trading activity. If um, you have a buy-to-let property, so you bought it, you're renting it out, and then sometime down the line, you decide that you, you want to sell that property. I've got one right now. I'm thinking of selling. It's, um, it's made quite a nice profit. It's not great yielding. Um, it's not necessarily core in my portfolio anymore. I'm thinking, well, actually, what I might be able to do there is sell that property on, take the gain, and put it into another investment, which might make a little bit more money for me. So I do that from time to time, review my portfolio, and uh, I'm considering that with the property now. Now, I've only ever rented it out. Uh, it was I've never lived in it, um, and you know it's been rented out for the full time. Uh, so in that situation, when I come to sell the property and indeed make the gain, realize the gain, in that situation, it would be capital gain or capital gains tax that I would have to pay. So it's changed. It was no longer a trading activity. It's more incidental. My primary purpose of that property was to, it was as an investment. I was renting it out. It's called an investment property. Uh, so I'd be paying income tax on the income side of things. But if I make a profit, which I would do in this situation when I sell it, any profit would then be subject to capital gains tax. And that, that can be quite an advantage because it's uh, capital gains tax is at a lower rate of tax than income tax. So that's, uh, that's a good news there. Then it can get a little bit blurry. So we've had a situation with your own home, no tax to pay. We've had a situation where it's trading. Uh, so you buy and sell for profit. It's never rented out. It's then income tax that you'd have to pay on any gain. And the third situation I've just outlined is you have an investment property and then you subsequently decide later on downstream to sell that property and you make a gain. And then any gain is capital gains tax. Of course, you're going to get crossovers. There's people here. There's people probably who have had their own home and then subsequently rent it out. So it, it, it blurs the line. It was their own home, which is tax free. Then they, they rent it out, which be, you know becomes a, an investment proposition. And then if they subsequently sell it, any profit is made is actually treated between the two uh, scenarios. So whilst it was in your own name, there's no tax to pay. Whilst it was an investment property, it would then be subject to capital gains tax. So if you owned it for 10 years, five years of which you lived in it, five years of which you rented it out, then if essentially you'd have five years of gain tax-free and five years of gain subject to capital gains tax. But there's a little twist there as well because um, you also get what's called lettings relief and when you re re let out a property that you used to uh, have as your own home. So that can be quite attractive. It could be up to £40,000. Um, it's capped at the, the, the limit of your primary residence relief. So it gets a bit complicated, but you get an extra allowance is my point. And you also get your capital gains tax allowance to offset against the gain as well. So if you if it's around about £11,000 per person, so if one person owned the property,
property, it's 11,000 before you pay tax. If it's two, it's 22,000 and so on. So um, that can be, you know, can can dilute down the tax you would have to pay on a property that used to be your own home that subsequently became a, a rental property. But the, the point being, it's subject to capital gains tax. Um, but if you uh, if you bought a property and you uh, intended, you fully intended to rent it out, this can happen sometimes with, let's say, uh, off-plan uh, properties. Um, things can change. Your circumstances can change. If you fully intended to rent it out, and the key point is you can prove that, so I'll come back to that in a second, and then you sell it without it ever being rented out, then in an exceptional case, you might actually be able to classify that as uh, non-trading activity and then it'd be subject to capital gains tax instead of income tax. So you're not going to be able to get away with that very often because, you know, how many times can you change your mind? And, you know, if you, you suddenly only buy and sell property, you keep changing your mind to flip it from what should be income tax into what, what then turns into capital gains tax. The inland revenue is probably going to have a close look at your affairs. Um, let's just say that. So, you know, don't try it on. It's, it's genuinely um, only really for exceptional circumstances where you have had a change of circumstance. And, um, you know, I bought a property a few years ago and I was uh, intending to rent it out, um, you know, keep it in my portfolio. But I actually did decide, um, you know, during the process to, to sell it on. Um, as it happened, in that, in that actual situation, I did end up renting it out for a very short period of time. Um, I think it was six months. Um, and so it was probably, I was probably on safe ground. Um, I, I know I was on safe ground to be classified as capital gains tax, not income tax. But um, actually, the revenue would probably even look at that if you rent it for a short period only, like six months. Technically, you know, that would turn it into an investment activity, not as a trading activity, and therefore um, capital gains tax, not income tax. But, you know, if you're doing it for short periods of time and you're doing it a lot, you're going to draw attention to yourself and the revenue might want to have a look. And it's probably going to say, look, you know, what are you really doing here? And, um, you know, they, they, they don't like it if you try and bend the rules too much. So long and short of it any, anyway is if it's your own home, no tax to pay. If you're, it's a trading activity, you're buying and selling and you, you, you don't rent it out, it's income tax. And if it's uh, an investment property, then it's uh, capital gains tax. And there's a couple of little twists there that you can talk to your accountants about if you want more detail on that. So there we go. Is it is it true? Is it a myth that you put all, all property gains are subject to capital gains tax? Well, it's a bit of both, really, isn't it? So but it's it's I guess you'd say it's a it's a myth um, that you know all property is subject to capital gains tax. In some cases, there's no tax to pay. Obviously, it's your own home. And in other cases, it could actually be a trading activity and they're subject, therefore subject to income tax. So I'd say that was a myth. We've probably just busted there, but uh, take advice is what I would <laughs> always say to people if you're, you're facing a situation you're not really sure. So that's the first one I kind of wanted to uh, cover off. The second one was um, another truism that's banded around is the classic property prices double every 10 years. You've probably heard that one mentioned quite a few times. Property prices double every 10 years. So just to put a bit of context around that, um, what it would actually mean is the annual compound growth rate of um, house, price, house price growth each year would need to be 7% for property prices to double every 10 years. So they would have to grow at 7% a year in order to exactly double every 10 years. So just hold that thought, really. Uh, how many times have we seen 7% a year 
um, growth on, on house prices. Well, funnily enough, the good people at the Nationwide Building Society have helped us out a bit with this because they produce an index which looks at house prices and it dates back to 1952. So uh, I downloaded the data. You can do the same. You can just look it up on their website. You can download all the data dating back to uh, quarter four 1952, in fact which is the uh, the first data they had on record. And then they plot every quarter uh, house average house prices, probably based on their own records, so therefore it's based on mortgage, mortgageable property. So it's not necessarily every single property that you could possibly buy, because clearly it's, it's what they're seeing themselves based on mortgages. But quite consistently, I, I did a plot, um, quite consistently over time, I looked at 10 years, uh, 10 year increments uh, rather. Um, you can see that uh, in the in the in the 1950s and 60s, they they didn't double every um, every 10 years. In fact, the first time that it, it actually managed to double over a 10 year period was uh, was actually in 1969. So by the end of the 60s, we then started to see more of what I call explosion in house prices. So up until then, it was you know 150, 175 percent. Um, you know, every 10 years was a sort of uh, growth rate. But come 1969, yep, it doubled. And then it, it kind of, that was a consistent theme. It doubled or it sometimes trebled um, and sometimes even quadrupled over a 10-year period. So we saw in the 60s and in the 70s, that those sorts of high growth rates in the 80s, it continued. So there was this really high sort of pattern of growth that, that happened took a bit of a dip in the 1990s if you remember if anyone's old enough to remember we had a bit of a bit of a flat line in the mid 1990s so looking at 1995 for example right now it was 154 percent a 10 year year on year growth so uh, it slowed down in the in the 90s it kind of really came to a halt I think it was um, around about the late late 90s it came down to about oof, 112 percent I've got in front of me here in 1999 and then it started to pick up again so in the 2000s it started to ramp up it got back to doubling uh, just about in 2002 so doubling again every 10 years around about 2002 and that happened quite consistently um, it even trebled in it in a period of time up until the housing crash around about 2007 2008 and of course because um, there's there's a lag effect in, in some of the data you, you can still see house prices were, were consistently above the 200 percent mark until around about 2010 so 2011 it started to tail off again actually and where the effects of the housing crash started to, to filter through so since quarter one 2011 uh, which was 193 percent growth in the previous 10 years it's not actually doubled in in uh, at all actually i'm looking at the data now there is not one period one period of time since 2011 where house prices have actually doubled so in other words it's a little bit out of date we're in a kind of a new uh, era if you like uh, at the moment and we're certainly not experiencing doubling of house prices now i have to say that you know some years it was 180 so i'm being a bit you know uh, harsh but um, more recently um, in the last you know f four years for example we're looking at around about 120 130 percent over a 10-year period so i would say that's it's not it's not a consistent pattern um, you can't rely, in other words, on the doubling of house prices every 10 years rule that seems to exist. But if we, before we sort of kick it out completely and say it's a myth, I did look at the whole picture dating back 55 years to 1952. 
and pretty much on the money, it's doubled every. T it's uh, doubled on average every ten years. So if you look at the, the long-term average over the fifty-five years, it's one hundred and ninety-nine percent, pretty well doubled uh, on average every ten years. So on that sense, it would say it holds up to scrutiny. You know, the the doubling every ten years holds up to scrutiny. On average, over every ten years, over fifty-five years, it has indeed done that. But clearly, when you look at what's happened in the last uh, four or five years, where it's around about 120%, 130% um, over that period of time, it's not the situation we're facing today. So the conclusion we can really draw from this is it's not a consistent pattern every 10 years. Over the long term, yes, it's probably true. And I think if we've looked at, uh, if we look at a 20 year or 25 year span, which might be the length of a buy to let mortgage, for example, then we'll probably find the doubling, you know, picture does sort of take place. I'm expecting house prices to go up again in the next 10 years and we'll, we'll push that 120% further towards the doubling um, going forward too. So I think, you know, over the over a long term horizon, you might expect, uh, and certainly it has been the case in the past, there's no guarantee the past will reflect the future, of course, but it, it has doubled over the long, long term. But there's been periods in, in history around in, in, the 60, in, in the early 60s, late 50s, early 60s, for example, in the 1990s, and now in the 20, whatever we are, 2010s, uh, 20-teens, uh, we've seen it below that doubling of uh, house prices every 10 years, uh, for sure. So you could get caught out if your model is to try and double your house price, sell it on within within five to 10 years and maybe take advantage of some of that capital gains tax we've just been talking about. So has it uh, is it true or is it a myth? Well, I'd say, it, again, it's a bit of both. But um, I, you need to look at the data closely. Over 55 years, it's certainly true. Over the last four or five years, it's not true. So over a short period of time, it's not true. Over a long period of time, it is true. So I'll let you decide whether that is actually truth or myth. But there we go. That's what I wanted to cover off today. Um, kind of just whistled through that a little bit. Um, wanted to make a couple of reference points, uh, clear up a bit a uh, misunderstanding that might exist. So if you quite like this feature, truth or myth, um, why not just drop me a note, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net and, uh, you know, pose a few questions to me, which you, you hear talked about in, in property circles. Uh, you know, truisms, they're commonly held facts, but are they actually really true? So uh, drop me a note and I'll I'll happily try and investigate the ones that I think, um, you know, I can investigate and will probably be interesting to, to share on the podcast. So I'd love to hear from you. So hopefully that's been interesting and, and useful and cleared up a couple of things or at least <laughs> pointed you to some data sources or, or other people who can help you if you're facing a, a question or a dilemma in that respect. Uh, that's all I really wanted to cover today. So I need to get back out into the uh, Spanish sun and have a look at a few more properties and uh, enjoy the rest of my uh, property inspection trip. But uh, just wanted to have, say hello to you and drop this note to you whilst I was doing that. So thanks very much for joining me once again on the podcast this week. And uh, as always, I appreciate that. And I look forward to joining you joining me rather uh, next, next week. Um, and may, maybe we'll cover another truth or myth. Who knows? Thanks a lot. Ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.